there is no time like the 2020s to start a company, to start a startup. You know, with the rise of the internet, you can learn anything at a very low cost, if not for free. You can build anything without needing to know how to code with tools like Bubble and Adalo. And you can get the word out about your products for free by using you know sites like Twitter, Product Hunt, and Reddit. There's no time like the 2020s to build a company. Yet one element of kind of entrepreneurship and company building that hasn't caught up with the times is venture capital. Unless you live you know in San Francisco or New York, chances are you may know what venture capital is, but you may not really know how it works. You may not know who the good VCs are. And you may not know how they think. So with this podcast of Forward Thinking Investors, I want to dive into this world. I want to help anyone in the world understand what is venture capital, who are the great venture capitalists, and how do they think about their day-to-day with the goal to help more people understand how it works so they can go out and raise capital for themselves. And they can build a billion dollar companies just like you know Larry did at Google or Travis did at Uber or Katrina did at Stitch Fix. That can be you, but it just takes some education. And I'm using this podcast as a medium to teach everyone more about venture capital. So if you want to learn about it, you want to dive in, you want to meet some awesome investors, stick around, listen to some episodes, and I, and I hope you enjoy. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Investors, when we talk to investors about all things investing in startups. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Zach Holman, who's an angel investor and soon-to-be founder once again. Welcome to the show, Zach. How's it going? Going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. Looking forward to learning more about how you think about investing. Um, So I think to start off, if you can just give a high-level intro on kind of how you got to this point where you're now angel investing a little bit on your background so just people know a little bit about you and then kind of dive in into uh into all things investing yeah um i i I guess one of the things i'm most known for and kind of like my second job outside of school was uh at github so i was the second engineer at github and then you know kind of worked on everything did a lot of talks did a lot of outreach did a lot of product work um and was there for about five years or so. Um, and then kind of relevant to what we're talking about, uh, started up, ended up um, advising a few different companies, um, a couple of really smaller ones, um, ended up advising GitLab, a much larger one, which just IPO'd last year. Um, and that was kind of my entry into investing in general. Um, and I think that's kind of my approach is that I the reason I like to invest, uh, especially as an angel, is that it's just uh advising startups but more seriously if that makes sense like it's you put your own money in but like i don't know it's that's what makes me most kind of interested in this all of this sort of stuff is uh kind of jumping into different companies um hopefully sharing some things that are helpful to those companies um and seeing a lot of different contexts and how uh different companies tackle problems so I'm sure, you know, having the background that you have, you like see a lot of companies. I'm sure people reach out to you um, with their startup ideas and things like that. I'm curious, like, what is the characterization of an opportunity that makes you want to get involved, whether it be as an advisor or as an investor? Are there certain sectors or certain types of founders or certain geographies that kind of get you going a little more than others, potentially? Yeah, I mean, from like a kind of market area, um, I mean, I tend to invest in dev tools just with my background of GitHub and GitLab and everything. Um, and I always joke that like as much as I'm kind of sick of dev 
tools like I really love them still like there's and there's so much to do because it's you know software is still terrible in a lot of ways so I, I do like that kind of area but more broadly um for me you know I, I tend to like money um which sometimes is a weird thing to say out loud um mostly just because you know I, I know you can make tons of money on like you know some viral social app and stuff but like that's not my background that's not how I know how to monetize that sort of stuff so that's kind of the first step for me is to look at you know you know software as a service type of companies enterprise sales you know, b2b those are the things that are my background that's why I kind of understand uh, and that's kind of what I look for uh, more than anything else and then kind of going back a little bit like I'm sure you didn't you know, get your, your opportunity at GitHub. And then like the next day, like, all right, like I'm ready to start advising startups. I'm ready to start investing. I'm sure there's like a little bit of a, of a journey there for you. I'm kind of curious if you're open to sharing at what point did you realize that you were even like able to, or in a position to get involved with startups? And was that an obvious, you know, realization for you or did it take some time in your role over there? Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a long meandering process. Uh, in hindsight, like after I left GitHub, um, kind of, well, I asked on Twitter for like, you know, different kind of jobs and stuff that I could do next. And I remember I counted up as like 300 emails or something. So that was possibly not a good idea in hindsight, but uh, it was interesting to chat with a lot of different companies. So maybe that was part of the exposure of, um, I really enjoyed kind of getting a peek, um, even from like a job applicant perspective, uh, trying to figure out like, oh, what makes them tick? what makes a good team, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't really until uh, somebody kind of cold called me um, and he had kind of an interesting uh, deployment uh, startup. It was just kind of him as a solo venture. And he's like, hey, can I have you on as an advisor? And I was like, sure, what the fuck is that? Like, I don't, <laughs> don't know anything about you know what I should do there and stuff. Um, but, you know, I think he didn't really know either. And we kind of learned together and, you know, after that sort of, I don't know, serendipitous experience, uh, other companies came and then obviously it kind of moved on towards uh, angel investing from that point as well. But um, that's kind of the one things I've been chatting with a lot of people, you know, especially over the last like three or four years with this kind of red hot, everybody's an investor type of thing now uh, that may be changing. Um, but when somebody's kind of like, oh, how do I get into angel investing? How do I get into, you know, investing in general? Um, and I always thought my approach was a good one because you kind of learn little bit by bit. I uh, start advising because uh, that's in a lot, lot of cases what, you know, investing is. It's just sort of like helping and being a resource and stuff like that. Um, the nice thing about advising a startup is that it's not your money. <laughs> um, so you don't lose money necessarily on the first few until you can start getting a better handle on that, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a very meandering um, pathway to get to uh, where I'm at now. Um, in the middle of it, you know, I started a calendar company, um, did that for a couple of years and then shut that down. But um, yeah, it's, you know, in one sense, I could say it's a very meandering way of figuring out what works best for me. The other, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, finicky for <laughs> what I want to do next. And investing is a nice way to do a lot of different companies all at the same time. Totally. I mean, it kind of leads me to wonder, like, I have to guess that in this period of your life, 
you were, you know, you maybe had the option or you could have, if you pursued it to like become more of an investor and maybe even join a VC firm or like start your own firm, something like that. Kind of curious for you, you know, what was around your decision to, to not go deeper into investing, you know, or is that still kind of on the table? I guess, how do you decide how deep to go? You know, obviously like the, the rabbit hole goes very far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think like the inter- other interesting part now is that there's so many different aspects of, you know, do you want to join as a partner? Do you want to start your own smaller fund? Do you want to do a rolling fund? Um, so I think there's a lot of ways to kind of dip your toe into it slash really jump into the pool, which is uh, nice. Um, I've explored it. Um, I was going to start a fund with a friend earlier this year, actually. Um, and we decided to kind of split and do our own separate smaller fund um, for a lot of different reasons. One of which was like, this was all happening in May uh, where the market was only seeing red versus mostly seeing red right now. Um, So like raising that uh, would have been a lot trickier. And I don't know, through all of that, I was just kind of like, I'm not sure if that's really what I want to be doing right now. Um, And I think that's kind of informed why I want to start a company uh, and I'm going to start a company (laughs) in the next few days, probably start incorporating it again. Um, Just because I I still like the operating side. Um, And I think for me, uh, as either an angel investor or I might do like a rolling fund at some point and kind of scale up that side of it. But, you know, I find the whole, you know, operator investor, you know, combination pretty, pretty exciting. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, roundabout way going back into the operating side of things makes me a better investor. Um, or at least that's what I hope. So. Since you kind of got started investing in this period of your life, what have been some things that you maybe learned about either investing or about the world that you maybe didn't know before you started advising and investing? Honestly, the weirdest things that I've learned are, um, man, they're just be like, I'll be thinking about things nowadays, now that I've seen kind of the other side of the table and they'll just be a bunch of like light bulbs of like, oh, that's why we had to do this shitty thing in like 2011 or something. Cause like, I didn't have the context as like a rank and file employee. Um, And I don't know, the more I learn about like, you know, this whole, whatever you want to call it, weird startup world that we have. um, I don't know. It's weird. It's like a little bit goes a long way. Like I really wish um, this is one of the bigger frustrations I have from GitHub is that even though I was really early on, um, the founders kind of, uh, they took care of all of the fundraising and kind of the networking side and, um, you know, that type of the business. Um, and I kind of wish, you know, I see a lot of other companies now that kind of take a different approach. And I think here's the idea of like fostering early employees to becoming, if, if that's what they're interested in, if they, they want to start something or if they want to, you know, join in a very early stage company, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, spreading that knowledge around, um, I think would be super helpful. It would have been really helpful for me when I started my own thing or started investing or advising or whatever the case is. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit goes a long way. Um, and getting that extra context around stuff, uh, uh, is just really nice to have. You mentioned something, um, a little bit ago that I think is kind of funny and and I would agree, you know, you said as, I've learned more about this startup world or this like industry that we're in and you kind of made a little bit of a face and I know exactly kind of where your head's at. Like it's a very weird world, this startup industry, specifically this like 
you know, Silicon Valley style venture capital funded industry, essentially. I'm kind of curious, like if you're open to it, if there's like someone listening to this and they've never stepped foot in Silicon Valley or they've never discovered tech Twitter and they don't really know what's going on, at, you know, in the inside of this industry, could you kind of like describe it or even just like share some of its characteristics as like a total onlooker, if that's even possible, because I don't know if it is, but I'm just kind of curious what, how, how you would describe it to someone that's not inside of it. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is growth. Um, I mean, that obviously goes hand in hand with venture. Um, you know, we're not in it to go, you know, in multiples of 10 or five or something like that. Like, you know, the reason why a company may raise money is to get those 10,000 X or more returns. Um, so I think that like, you know, when I'm trying to answer that question, my brain automatically goes in so many different directions, but at the end of the day, like the reason there are so many unique parts of this, this weird Silicon Valley thing um, is because ultimately, you know, you want to make these huge companies that, um, you know, impact a lot of different people's lives, different business lines, different, whatever you want to talk about. Um, and I think that's like, that's the main thing that's just, it, it takes a while to sort of wrap your head around it, especially as a rank and file employee, because, you know, you don't really understand this stuff. Um, you know, I still will talk to employees who get like offer letters and they're like, oh yeah, you know, company A is offering me 10,000 options and company B is offering me 50,000 options. So I'm going to go with B. Uh, you, know, you know, what's the what's the price for stock? What's the outstanding number? Like all of this questions. And like, I don't know, bigger number is bigger. It's better, right? And it's like, no. So like, if that's kind of the level of ed education we have for employees, much less bigger, broader discussions about, you know, cap tables or, investors or picking the right investors or returns. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like it's a very strange, you know, club of people that really understand all these rules. Um, the cynical among us might say, you know, that benefits those people to uh, make it mysterious and stuff. But um, I don't know. That's a, it's kind of a long ramble, but it, it's, I'm happy that there are more people talking about the nitty gritty of companies that I don't think we've really been able to talk about that, um, you know, 10 years ago or even five years ago. So. I'd agree. I mean, I don't know if anyone can answer that question in like a, in a different way, like this is so much going on. And I think, you know, going off of what you said, the fact that everyone is going for these massive, massive, massive exits with massive returns. So you have a lot of people with massive amount of wealth that made money from this machine. So then they just like pour it back in. And it's just this like this cycle of innovation um, and destruction at the same time, right? You know, part of, we know that the, the startup industry is working if a lot of the companies are failing because it means we're experimenting big enough. So like, you know, some of them just don't work, but we still tried, you know, I think that's a really valuable part of the Valley as well. Yeah. Well, the weirdest part is like, it is a cycle, but it's a really, really slow cycle, um, which is strange because like you think, oh yeah, Silicon Valley is fast, fast. We got to go fast. But when you talk about, you know, a timeline of a single company that let's say it will go to IPO, maybe we'll say 10 years or whatever. Um, cool. And then once you've learned all that and you want to build another company, that's like another X years or something. Um, so that was the other kind of weird thing is, you know, I, I started, <laughs> you know, yelling about the 90 day uh, exercise window years ago. Uh, and I think it just took years. Like, I mean, that was 
what, seven years ago at this point. And I think now you're starting to see companies um, where that's kind of a standard uh, change to how they give out stock now. Um, but that pace of iteration, you know, going from like a tech standpoint where, you know, I break a test and I can fix it in 30 seconds. And even that is grown where they're like too long um, versus like building the actual mechanics of a company in, in, you know, VC land strangely takes a long time to, for good ideas to kind of go through. So I don't know, that's another kind of weird part about this whole ball of tech stuff that is strange to wrap your head around, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, so what I do for my for my main job for my startup is I think a lot about just venture capital and filtering and things like that. And I always thought it was interesting going off of what you said, like, if it takes, you know, 10 years for a startup to become, you know, liquid and exit, like, you know, many funds are raised within six, uh, within 10 years for a VC fund. So like, I think one of the funny things that I think is, you know, interesting is that you might not be you might not be a good investor, but you're, but like, you know, your first companies were marked up. So then like three funds in, you realize, Oh, shucks, you know? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> like I have this, all this AUM and it's just, um, there's something I don't think wrong with that. Cause like, you don't, you don't know either, right? Like you don't know either. It's just, but it's just another, another, I would say interesting aspect of the industry for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's, I don't know. That part always just weirds me out how long, you know, it's, it's, I just listened to this planet money yesterday on apples and they're like, oh yeah, to make a new apple, it can take like thousands of trees and like six years before you can really start growing the apple that you're making and stuff. And it's kind of similar to like, you know, raising a fund because it just takes so long before you even realize like, oh, am I good at this? Like, you know, or maybe I'm just terrible and can raise money better and stuff. So, um, that's, you know, even that we're talking about this is not something I would have considered when I was just a normal kind of employee, because um, you always kind of assume like, oh, yeah, investors are just, you know, they're all these really weird, smart people in a corner sometimes, but they're malicious and weird. But like, I don't know, it, it's I never thought about like the pace of, I don't know, innovation and investing, um, which you can obviously still do. It's just uh, different metrics, I guess, uh, to analyze rather than just returns necessarily on the, on that note i'm curious if you were to look back at yourself before you kind of got into tech or maybe your first day at, at github or something like that what are other things that you would tell yourself specifically about like how investing works in silicon valley being an investor now seeing a lot of companies having a lot of that exposure the other things you would tell yourself or tell a brand new investor that that might be fresh to all of this um I mean, there's a couple things like, you know, thinking back at early days in GitHub and stuff, I wish I would have, you know, I guess reached out more and learned about this side of the business. Um, and I think the other side of all of this that you're that I was immediately kind of thinking about was just like how easy it is to reach out and talk to other people. Um, and I don't know, it, it's it's strange how accessible some people in tech and investing are um, in, in the in the best type of way. Because uh, a lot of the times, you know, you'll reach out to somebody who you've only seen from tweets and stuff. Uh, and you're like, oh, I don't know if this guy even wants to talk to me, but turns out they're cool as shit and super happy to like, you know, talk to you for 15, 20 minutes or something like that. Um, and, you know, when you talk to them, they're like, oh, it's not a big deal because so-and-so did that for me years ago. So, I don't know that type of accessibility. I wish I would have kind of understood earlier 
um, you know, to a point, don't be a dick to everybody else just because, you know, want to get a type of thing. But, um, and it's, it's especially, I think, in investing, um, I think that becomes even more important because the reason, you know, again, like in tech, I mean, I can read blog posts on how to, you know, write this class in a whatever way or, you know, something like that is it's, people talk about that stuff a lot. Um, but it seems like a lot of the real advice that I've, I've picked up from like investing um, has come from these types of like person to person contacts and stuff. Um, and that will probably also change over the time as more and more people get into it and there's more transparency into it. Um, but I think that's kind of the, I don't know, the not so secret secret is like getting, talking to the right people, getting the right advice uh, and just getting different opinions on it uh, more than anything else. And, you know, for my last couple of questions, let's say there's, you know, two founders that reach out to you and they're both in dev tools. They're both, let's say they're both like generally good. They have good products. Um, and they're both like, maybe, you know, you're thinking about investing in, in one or the other, you know, what are the things that for you personally, that drive like a deal over the line? If, even if they're two good deals, like, are there certain qualities of a founder or certain parts of an opportunity that just get you really excited that maybe not, not as obvious to, to a founder when, when kind of presenting what they're doing to you? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you kind of go over the, the obvious things of like, you know, customers means, you know, I don't really have to like you as a founder, but if you're making money, you know, that'll, that'll make me pay attention. Um, more than that, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that I think, and I, I've realized because I've been doing kind of angel for three or four years more seriously now. Um, and now compared to when I first got started, just hearing how somebody talks about their idea, um, and it's, it's hard to sort of describe, but like, it's, it's much more obvious to me now of mostly just experience. Um, and I think on some level, like that type of experience leads some people to be like pretty confident, like, oh yeah, this is a, a huge deal. This is the steps I need to take to get to that huge deal and stuff versus somebody else who might be kind of more novice towards this type of stuff would say like, oh yeah, we've got a kick-ass product. And then, you know, we're going to get some good money and stuff. And, you know, so it's, it's that type of level of, um, I don't know, having, I guess, eyes big enough for your stomach type of thing. Um, and how you kind of calmly talk about like that plan. Um, you know, my, my least favorite slide, uh, is like the, the five-year plan on a pitch deck and stuff. Um, cause it's just, it's, somebody who's built these companies like it's just so bullshit from the start especially if you have like if you're starting from if you literally have zero revenue right now and you're projecting you know whatever for five years i'm like just why would you even bring this up like that seems ridiculous um but the ones who are a little bit more comfortable in making those types of kind of predictions and stuff usually can back it up just because like yeah you know i've done this before i know exactly who to talk to for the early customers and i think their kind of game plan is uh um just much more polished than than the other type of really early novice uh, founders one more question on that front because i think this is very valuable for the audience is there any other 
things that you've noticed that some more experienced founders do that novice founders don't do or don't even know to do? Something that the, the delineation is really, really interesting. And I think some founders don't even realize that it exists. <laughs> um, one of the things that's come up, um, I've, there's been a bunch of people I've talked to recently who have just started uh, raising in the last like two, three months type of thing. Um, and in interesting ways, sort of like, I don't know, split those into groups. Um, let me put it another way. How you talk to investors and how you kind of react to that investor um, is kind of the understated value of, of, really good founders. Like for example, um, when I was raising for my startup, you got pretty, get pretty good at figuring out like, okay, is this person like a really metrics driven person or is this person really product driven or is this person, you know, team focused and stuff like that. And I think like it, it's to your benefit if you can figure that out within the first like question or two talking to an investor. Um, because it's, it's, it's crazy how much different, different investors are. Um, like I, I just talk shit about the five-year plan and stuff like that. Like, don't show me those numbers. It's not remotely interesting to me. Like show me product or show me, you know, your ideas and stuff like that. Um, definitely not the case for every investor. Some investors, like literally I can see their eyes glaze over as soon as I put a pixel on like the screen or something like that. And they like, show me like customers and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of like at least one bit of advice that I've, I feel like I've brought up a lot in the last few weeks is just being more, <laughs> being good at reading people. Um, I'm not necessarily sure how you can learn that, unfortunately, because man, there's a lot of people that <laughs> the world would be a better place if everyone could read everybody a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I just think that's like much more important, uh, than I considered at first when I was investing and in, in listening to pitches too. All right, and to, to round this out um, for, my, for my last question, if someone wanted to learn more about you or connect or follow along for what you're doing next, what would be the best way to connect? Do you have a Twitter or a website, email, like any sort of social media? How can someone learn more? Yeah, I'm on the Twitters. It's just Holman. Uh, and then uh, my blog, ZachHolman.com. I write a lot about stuff, usually just me complaining about things um the best type of blog you know i don't understand these pleasant blogs like you gotta be angry about something otherwise why are you even writing it so um but yeah otherwise find me on the street in san francisco i don't know we'll play some jazz or something i actually don't play music so i don't really know why i said that but i just feel like that's the best way to get to know somebody is to like play jazz especially if you don't know how to play an instrument so I used to play trumpet in uh in sixth grade, and I was the I was the uh, the second chair as a sixth grader, which was like very very good. But then I got braces, and in seventh grade, and I just I just haven't played trumpet since. So if we go back back in time, you know, it's my trumpet days. I could play some jazz with you. <laughs> I play well, I, trumpet as well. So you know, do you know the trumpet up. player handshake? <laughs> say it again. <laughs> you know the trumpet player handshake? I don't think so. What is that? Take their hand and you say, "Hi, I'm better than you." <laughs> <laughs> there's a little nerdy bad humor for you that's hilarious that's so funny that's why i'm a investor now so it's that same trumpet to investor pathway 
Yep. 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 I love that. Well, I appreciate you coming on to Forward Thinking Investors. I really appreciate your insight on investing, what you look for in founders, and you know, a little bit of insight on the world of Silicon Valley and beyond. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. This is fun.